Hello and welcome back to the Money Mitch Effect with your host, me, Mitch Michaels. We had a little bit of a hiatus last week, but thanks for joining me here on this sports podcast where we continue to talk about everything sports related. It's NHL trade deadline talk this week. Got my boy Joe Crusali with me. He moved up to Seattle recently, which I'm not too thrilled about, but you know, for him it's a good professional opportunity. We're going to talk about everything pro hockey related at the trade deadline. It was a lot of wacky deals. He's a Rangers fan, so... He's at the forefront of all these trades. Rick Nash is on the Bruins. Ryan McDonough on the Lightning. Were the Rangers? Was Joe happy with what they got back? Steve Eiserman's a wizard. He continues to make these deals. Who didn't do enough at the deadline? What minor moves with teams like Columbus and, and the Devils? Were they able to get enough at the trade deadline? Paul Stasny to the Winnipeg Jets. Lots of deals to break down. Who are the contenders now? Is Vegas legit? And we also talk about the Olympics. We talk about the Olympic hockey, USA women doing big things, and the Olympic athletes from Russia, not officially Russia, winning the gold there. Stoker Sally's NHL trade deadline talk and more. Welcome back to the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, Money Mitch Effect. It's a NHL trade deadline show. One of my favorite times of year. Hope everybody out there enjoys it as well. Got Joe Crisali back on the show. Joe, thanks for joining the show via satellite all the way up in Seattle now, which we'll touch on a little bit later. But, Joe, thanks for joining the show. Probably not your favorite trade deadline day, though. Oh, yeah. Me and me going back and forth all day and then not thinking much is going to happen and then boom, right at the end. Well, let's just let's just set the table here for everybody out there. We thought about doing a pre-show. Schedules got crossed. We, we couldn't necessarily make it work, but it was like, okay, we'll wait till after the deadline to do a recap show, which is probably the best case scenario. But neither of us planned that your favorite team, the New York Rangers, would be front and center at one of the wildest trade deadline days ever. Definitely, I would say, in their franchise history. I can't remember a time in either of our lifetimes when the Rangers have been such big sellers, but, Joe, they were the talk of the trade deadline. So many moves made. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of selling going on, and I'll start off right off the top. Did you think that the total haul of all the pieces was satisfying? Satisfying? No, I was not satisfied. <laughs> not even mildly. Not even like, hey, well, we got some draft picks, no more picks than anybody in the first couple rounds. No? If that was the trade for just McDonough, I would have been satisfied. But they threw in a young, budding forward in Miller who's like 25 years old he's got 40 points already this year so that kind of washed out some of it for me but they didn't get oh, it's just so tough because there were two guys that I thought that they would try to get from Tampa Bay Braden Point being one of them that would have been a great get Sergachev their top prospect you know he thought maybe you could get him back in the deal but instead you end up with Namasvinkov who for me is kind of a wash with Miller you're basically getting the same player i mean i did a dive in you know you do those after the trade you see the players course, that your team course, gets and you yeah. dive in and you re you research them he has gotten better every single season he's been in the nhl namas think of and he's he's a scorer but i mean the other guys i don't really i wasn't too high on this the guy that they threw in there at the end there brett howden I, i'm actually pretty pretty happy with him if you look at all the stuff that he's done he is a scorer and that's really what i feel like they're going to be able to build around is that and they got they have gotten some good young d guys apparently lee borhajek was the uh the big get the rangers thought that that they got in that 
trade, which, funny enough, he was the pick that the Bolts took when they traded D'Angelo, Anthony D'Angelo, to the Coyotes, who was also on the Rangers and is no longer on the Rangers anymore. So. No, it's just it like is, coming full circle. Yeah, it is funny how in a couple years, right, You, the Rangers have gone from being huge buyers, giving up a lot of prospects, back to the Duclair trade, and how that really jump-started what they were going after, to now being full sellers. And, and I get, full disclosure, I get why the Rangers are doing what they're doing, because they weren't going to win the Cup this year, and they have to start selling now in order to kind of rebuild on the fly without it completely bottoming out. But I mean, there's just a lot to get to. I, I do. We'll start with the big trade, which was Ryan McDonough and JT Miller going to the Lightning. Who, by the way, Tampa Bay is all in, all in. It is so clear now that they know they have to win in the next couple of years. This is the window. Stevie Eiserman, I mean, Jesus, Stevie Y is just—he's got dirt, I think, on every general manager in hockey. It would seem that just trade Dude, after I, trade. I feel like he he hosed he hosed them on that deal because. <laughs> If you if you look at like previous trades, right? Rick Nash is getting a first round pick and prospects for a guy who's got twelve goals this year. Right. McDonough is is the captain of the team. He's the best player on the team. He's a great defenseman, one of the best defensemen in the league. And you're not even going to get their two best prospect players for him. You know, you got to dive down a little bit deeper. It's crazy. You're you're right. They definitely he's got some dirt. He's got some dirt. They they might have had some late nights in some hotel rooms. Maybe we we don't know. We we do know that McDonough is a little banged up, which it's fair to fair to point out. I think if he's healthy, he's back to being a top ten defenseman in the league. I think nobody's really debating that. And those draft picks, look, I mean, you you take a, a first round pick that the Lightning get. It's going to be one of the if not the last picks in the first round that second conditional pick could be a first round pick if tampa bay wins the cup it's my understanding that that's how that works yeah uh and and you talk about the player switches in there i mean jt miller is a is a budding player uh now i'm just think off is is good as well his numbers he's gotten better he hit 20 goals this year but let's be fair he was playing with stamkos he was playing with kucherov a little bit He's been struggling recently, so this will be his chance. I do think he's going to have some serious power play time, maybe just out of who's who's still left in New York. But this is a, a real audition for him to see if he's more than just a player that can play with good players. Yeah, the thing with him to think of is his contract is going to be up after next year. So they got a year to look at him, and then they're like, all right, we want to sign him or we don't want to sign him. And if he has a great year, then you got to pay him. It- and that wouldn't have been the case had they kept Miller. Yeah, I, I just I look at all these things. Carlson, a guy that did not get traded, that we'll get to uh, in a second. But do you have to? And I ask this question to teams all the time: Do you have to make the trades at the deadline? Do you have to panic? And I don't know if they necessarily panicked. If the Rangers panicked by trading McDonough, but it seems like they felt like he, they needed to get him off the books. He has one full year of a contract left. That's my question to you, Joe. Did they have to make this deal now? Did they have to trade him right away? Could they have waited to the offseason? Would the market have been better? I gotta believe it would have. Honestly, yeah. Like the the Ottawa Senators didn't trade Carlson because he's their best player, and they weren't getting what they wanted for him. So they said, you know what, we're gonna take this into the offseason because I, I'm pretty sure they feel that they're not the team that's gonna you know chase the cup this year. But you can't rush into trading a player like that. I mean. McDonough, if you waited till the end of the season, you know, let him play out the rest of the year, and then you still have Miller, then you recuperate and you see where you're at. The thing with with trading in the NHL and trading for prospects compared to other sports is 
regardless of highly touted the guy is, unless you know, like you'll know if he's going to be a great player. McDavid, mm-hmm. Crosby, guys like that, Matthews, you know they're going to be great players. But if you're trading for guys who are drafted in the second round, late first round picks, they don't necessarily, they're hit or miss. Right. Like you said, when the Rangers traded Duclair to the Coyotes, he was one of their better prospects, but he's just a prospect. And you see him now, he's on the black box. He's not even dressing in some yeah. games. So that's what happened. So I'm, I, I just am weary that I know you're getting all these draft picks, but you're getting these draft picks that are going to be later in rounds. They're going to be, you know, hit or miss guys. Now, granted, they do have 10 draft, 10. Now they'll have 12 draft picks in the first three rounds next year. So, I mean, you got to at least hit on a couple of those, right? Yeah, you'd think so. I, it's just, it, we mentioned the first round. Like, look at every year we can do this exercise where we look at the top 10, top 20 in scoring. The majority of them have been drafted in the top 10, 10 to 15 picks. So it's just, that's where you're going to find that elite level talent most of the time. There are some exceptions to that rule. But yeah, if they can hit on a few draft picks and if they're banking on having a competitive team and also being a player maybe in free agency. That might work. Hey, at least they didn't go to the Penguins. Got a, <laughs> McDonough's not a Penguin. Oh, That's I mean, good. I, but you look at the draft picks, they're just not as valuable in the NHL as they are in other leagues. Like Thomas Tatar hauled a first, second, and third round pick. Like, get Incredible. out of here with that. Are you kidding me? Incredible. And Vegas did it because they were like, screw it. We got like 30 picks. Yeah, and Vegas, you know? we're going to get to them a little bit, but Vegas, it was they a difference. They almost had Carlton. They did. It was a difference of circumstances. What they do you go for it or not? We'll get to them in a second, but I want to stay on the Rangers because in addition to getting rid of McDonough, they move along Grabner as well. That was really the first trade of the deal. And then of the, of the deadline swing last week on Friday, Rick Nash gets dealt over the weekend. Those were the two that really stood out that really got the ball rolling to this McDonough trade. But Joe, starting with Grabner to the devils, low key, the devils, they get Pat Maroon, they get Grabner, they're starting to build something. They got that first wild card spot. I think forward depth, a team that drastically needs it. I really like what the Devils did this deadline. Yeah, I don't know if I can say I like the Devils being a Rangers fan, but they <laughs> yeah. they got they picked up some pieces. Like you said, they got Grabner, who's a fast guy, fast. He's a good goal scorer, and then they got Maroon from the Oilers. So they picked up a couple of pieces, and they've been doing it without Corey Schneider in net. They've got Kincaid in there and they're still competing. You got to think Taylor Hall is in the MVP race for this. There's a lot of guys. I mean, there's a lot of players in that MVP race, but you're absolutely right. Hall deserves to be mentioned. We'll see how he finishes down the stretch, but the Hall for Grabner, Rykov and a second round pick, not that much at all. You add into the fact that Maroon was a third-round pick and J.D. Dudick, a defenseman, that's nothing really special. So they did it without having to give up too much. Grabner, on the flip side for what the Rangers gave up or got for him, I get why it was done. I get that Grabner is kind of that fringe player, but there really was there really was no place for him, Joe, right, in New York on a team not really going anywhere. You've got to get something. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers they wrote an open letter to their fans that they were going to be making big moves, right? They they posted on social media, all this stuff that was going to happen. And then they traded Grabner. And I mean, as a Rangers fan, it's, I mean, sure. He's a great guy. He's a great goal scorer for us, but you know, you're not really attached to him. You're more attached to the guys like Rick Nash, Ryan McDonough. But the thing is like leading up to the end of that trade deadline, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, really, they're going to write a letter 
an open letter to the fans that they're going to be doing all these things, and they're all they're going to do is trade Grabner and Nash. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, boom! You and me were talking. I was like, "Yeah, this could be the worst trade deadline ever. Not much is happening." And then all of a sudden, that Ryan McDonough bomb just drops. Yeah, it was. I I get the perspective of why you why you let the fans know, hey, don't don't get your hopes up this year without explicitly saying that you're going to make moves because you never really know. And part of me wonders if McDonough wanted out and he was just a good soldier uh, in the public, because that to me sounds like McDonough. I mean, we wonder why it, did they panic? The flip side might have been McDonough wasn't happy and wanted to go somewhere where he could win. So. I don't know. That Nash trade, though, I actually think you guys got a pretty good haul for Rick Nash, given his age and, and what his production is. Not to say that I don't think he could fit in great on Boston. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Spooner is a young forward. Young, he's not, he didn't have a great fit on, in Boston, but, you know, you can throw so many guys in the Rangers lineup and see where they work. I guess that's where they're at right now. And they got that D prospect, Ryan Lindgren, who he doesn't, he doesn't uh, show up on the stat sheet very much, but from what I was reading, he does a lot of little things, and he's a great leader. So, can't really be too upset with that. And they got a first rounder for him. So, yeah. but like I said, those first round picks are going to be coming later in the in the first round. So they're basically they're going to be picking a bunch of dudes in a row, and hopefully one of them sticks. Bolesky's a solid, great guy as well, too. Um, and, and Nash might have peaked. I mean, he probably I, would, I should say it differently. He definitely peaked in terms of what his offensive benchmarks are going to be. But he may be on the on the downside, and a player like him could fall fast. But if there's a place for him to succeed, I got to think Boston's perfect for him, given that they have tons of yeah. grit, they have tons of speed guys there as well, and uh, they're playing very well. Man, the Eastern Conference playoffs. Just as an aside here, Money Mitch Effect, Joker Sally, NHL trade deadline talk. The Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be amazing. <laughs> like it's Bruins, Lightning, and Maple Leafs in the Atlantic, and then that Metropolitan Gauntlet. I'm I'm really excited. I can't wait for the playoffs to start. Same, other than the fact that the yeah. uh, Rangers won't be in it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting because usually, uh, usually the Western Conference is the playoff series you want to watch. But now, coming around, I want I want to watch this. I mean, Toronto and Tampa Bay are playing right now. You're looking at oh. Boston, Boston, Toronto, most likely in the first round. Oh, geez, and then you have the Metro Division, Philly. If they win tonight. With the Blue Jackets beating the Capitals, if Philly beats the Canadians tonight, they move to first place in that division. Haven't lost a game in regulation in twelve. It's incredible. And yeah. So and with the and Devils, then you got the Penguins. Yeah. You, you can never count out Pittsburgh. It's the Penguins. They're going to be in the playoffs. And we didn't even touch on Eric Broussard, another former Ranger. Got to watch him on the Penguins. <laughs> that that trade was another interesting one too because. Yeah, I, I hear your pain. So another odds are, just given the law of science and, and averages, that an X Ranger will be hosting his first Stanley Cup this year. But I actually, I actually, 100%. yeah, I actually think they gave up quite a bit to get Broussard. And when I say quite a bit, I know draft picks don't mean as much. Although their first round pick, Pittsburgh's, might have been the reason why a McDonough trade couldn't work out. But I think Ian Cole, who's now made his way to Columbus through another trade, I think that's uh, something to consider as well. And uh, Gustafson is a backup goalie when you don't have that depth with Flurry and Murray anymore. So I think they, they this is maybe a little uh, more more to give up for the Penguins. But then again, I mean, you're going for a three-peat. It's all, all hands on deck. Yeah, definitely for sure for them. They know that this is their window. They got Crosby, Malkin. They got Hornquist. They might resign him now. And 
they're they're just the team. They're always the team to beat in my head. The Hornquist terms kind of leaked. Five for five is what it looks like. Okay. It's a good deal. He should thank Sid every so, night was, when he goes to sleep. Yeah. There's one thing about the Rangers that I just – I know they got Lundquist back there, and he's the, he's been the staple. He's been the guy. He's the king. But you got to just feel for the guy. You know, he's, he's sitting there, and he's not going to win now. He's not going to win. They're trying to do this rebuild. I was reading something today where they're trying to do this rebuild quickly and within the next couple of years so that Lundqvist still has a chance at the Cup. There, I Honestly, I love Lundqvist. Favorite goalie ever. But why don't you try to trade him? You would get so – why didn't they try to trade him? You know you're not going to win. You have to realize this is the team that you have been, been – that you've created, and now you got a, you got a great elite goaltender – I mean, well, maybe not now, but that's the team in front of him. But you know, if you send him somewhere, send him somewhere where he's going to win. I'll tell you. I'll tell you my opinion it. of it. I think it's because of what we talked about earlier. That would be a panic move to where I think that's a conversation that needs to be had in the off season. I think the Rangers made these moves with the in the back of their mind. Hey, we're going to try to rebuild on the fly. See what it looks like at the end of this season. Maybe we can get back to competing next year. Maybe not. But then if that's the case, that's when you've got to get him out of there. Just for his sake. Because obviously he deserves better. He's one of the best goalies of his generation. And the fact that he doesn't have a cup, it's pretty sad for the league. i gotta, I got to be honest there. Yeah, I mean, it would suck to watch him in another sweater. But I appreciate him enough as to where I would want to see him win. As long as he's not in the freaking Penguins. or the... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there, no, look, I, I don't want him to go bring chasing necessarily but at any position goalie especially you've got to be on a contender it doesn't really make sense to waste years there if you're going to be rebuilding so that's the way i look at it Um, a couple other things i do want to talk about with this deadline as we continue to dive in one team in particular that was more of a seller joe the chicago blackhawks they don't acquire anybody and they trade ryan hartman away to nashville in a move that i think i think hartman's a heck of a player that not a lot of people outside of the game of hockey, understand how good he can be. Blackhawks selling, though, might be the bigger story. When have we ever seen this out of the deadline from Chicago? Yeah, I don't know. When you think about teams that are in the playoffs, you automatically always count the Blackhawks on your fingers when you're counting them out. And this year, you're just you're looking at the standings, and you're like, wait a second, where are the Blackhawks? And you're like, oh, crap, they're four. They're six, they're six out. Like, that's crazy, you know? Yeah. And I guess for, for them to be sellers, that's where they are. They, them and the Rangers are kind of in the same place. You know, they were in the playoffs around the same time, and now they're they didn't have Corey Crawford all year. That's really been their problem, the Blackhawks. But well, they, uh, yeah, they wanna... they have a lack of guys getting older. I, I think that defensively, they just look old now. It, it's sad to see Keith and Seabrook aren't or even close to a top pairing anymore. Yeah, those two guys were go to. They were one two, top of the league, but now they're not. They're just older. Like like you said, the team is just getting older. And the injuries are piling up, and Patrick Kane can't carry that team by himself, which clearly he can't. And then we're not going to get to see them play the Blues in the playoffs. <laughs> Those are the good series that are going to go by the wayside. But how about the Blues trading Stastny away to yeah. Winnipeg, only being a couple games out? That was – well, the Blues have lost four straight games. And the Western Conference, you mentioned, we mentioned on the East, it's kind of topsy-turvy. The East is pretty stacked now. The West is so unpredictable. You have a couple teams at the tops – your Winnipeg for one, Nashville, who we mentioned, Vegas. But in that gray area, there's a lot of teams that are unsure. 
the Blues have kind of maybe seen the writing on the wall. I want to say they've had some good, they've had some games against tough competition this last couple weeks, and they've gotten killed. I don't see them being a playoff contender this year. Stasny's older, and they got something for him. So I think that was a discussion with a veteran player saying, "Hey, we're get, we're thinking about moving you. If it's all right with you, we're going to do it right away, so we can get some return and get you where you need to go." So it seemed like an amicable divorce, if I want to put it that way. Yeah, I mean, that team, like the Black Sox, Black Sox is another team that's getting older, but Braden Shen wasn't too happy about that trade. <laughs> no, he, <laughs> he was not happy about it. They got a first-round pick uh, for him, which, again, you know, we, we mentioned these teams are trying to win. Tampa Bay, you know, Winnipeg, Pittsburgh, they don't really care about that pick. Nashville, too, like they want to win. So I don't think the draft pick means as much to the inside world of that locker room as it does to everybody else. No, it definitely doesn't because you're going to draft a kid who's 17 years old and he's going to play in the WHL for three years and he's going to come over in the AHL later. So you're not even going to – it's not like something that's going to happen right away for them anyway. They don't care. You know what else I thought was interesting? We mentioned uh, Chicago being sellers, uh, a team that was interested in some players that other than Thomas Pocanic, the Maple Leafs didn't really add anybody else. Those are the two top teams, Joe. I think it's worth noting. Highest salary cap right now. So there's there's them. Pittsburgh's up there. I mean, it's – we mentioned teams, a lot of times it's tough to create cap room to make some of these deals work. The fact that Tampa Bay keeps doing it is remarkable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then not only do they keep getting these players, they are bringing on younger guys, and they're slowly rebuilding a younger core as they do this. Like, they get JT Miller. It's ridiculous what they're doing. Steve Eiserman, I mean, he finds points. Find, yeah, it's just it's incredible. Um, safest yeah, the Red Wings now. are wishing that he was there. Oh, they would pay him so much money to run Detroit. It's not even close what they would do to bring him back. I got some texts from Red Wings fans today saying they uh, were wishing that Mike Green wasn't on their roster right now. Yeah, they could not get rid of him. That might be one of the most surprising thing to me of anybody not traded. Uh, wow. But be that as it may. All right, Money Mitch Effect, Joe Crisali. Uh, let's talk about the Vegas Golden Knights because they had uh, an interesting uh, dilemma on their hands as well. For everybody who was not really paying attention this year, they weren't expected to be anything. 501 to win the Cup to start the year. Now they have the most points in the Western Conference. So, Joe, they tried to get Carlson. That was a rumor all day. A lot of teams did. Carlson wasn't going to be on the block for what the Knights were offering. They do an about-face, and they get Thomas Tatar for a lot. A lot for a guy that has been up and has been down. A couple of picks in there. First, a second, and a third, I believe, for Thomas Tatar. What do you think, Joe, about this deal and the fact that the Knights are willing to go all in for this guy? You can't really question anything that the Knights have done this season. <laughs> I mean, they've been picking second-line, third-line guys off of everyone's team to start to start their franchise, and that's, that's they're just continuing what they were doing with Tatar. I mean, they gave up a lot to get him, which just blows my mind that they're we're willing to give up that much for Tatar. Why not just give Ottawa what they want for Carlson? That would change the game. Change the game. Yeah, I <laughs> it's I you have to be in their position. They didn't expect to be here. Nobody expected them to be here, even the Vegas front office. They thought at this point in the year they'd be just shedding older players and trying to get younger. But now they're in this position because of some of their unbelievable strokes of genius slash luck. I mean, while Bill Carlson out of Columbus is going to have 40 goals this year. He was on the fourth line last year. But yeah. And, and uh, David Perron's back from the dead as well. But all, all these players, and 
they wanted to bolster their postseason roster because what I've been saying is you get to a best of seven series, there's no guarantees that it's going to keep going this way when teams can size you up and it gets pretty intense. So they needed to be buyers at this point. A first, a conditional second and third aren't the end of the world. Now they know their first round picks can be late in the draft, so it's not as parting with much. I, I, I get why Detroit did the deal. I think that's a great haul for Thomas Tatar, but it's another player that hopefully the Knights can, can find themselves a gamer when the games really matter in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, getting getting anyone with any type of experience that can score goals is always a plus, especially if you're Vegas. But I just don't get it. Like, you, whatever they ask you for Carlson, you make the trade and ride the wave. Like, they're riding the wave right now. That would have just put them over the top. I, I will say, though, the offseason is going to be so driven by Eric Carlson. Like, that's going to be the story. One, the, the first, second, and third stories are going to all involve what Ottawa does now with Eric Carlson. And, Joe, we know that, that it has not gone well. And I get it. I get why, if you're Eric Carlson, you'd want to leave. But how do you think this could possibly be handled in a way that doesn't just piss off every single one of those Senators fans? I don't know. That's their franchise player. I bet you everybody in that stadium is wearing a Carlson jersey. So they're all going to be pissed. It doesn't matter what the return is. That would be the same as, you know, if who on the Blue Jackets would you hate to lose the most? I know you just got Vanek and all those other old guys pulling a full Cavs haul, you it's, know, getting older. It's <laughs> different. with. I mean, that's that's a tough team to make a comparison to because they're more depth-driven. You could say maybe Panarin has the most skill up front, but you could say Werwenski, if four or five years from now he keeps developing and he becomes a, an elite guy, like in that same vein, but I would say it's almost like for saying, me. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like saying it could be like saying Ovechkin trade yeah, Ovechkin away it's, or it's Tampa Bay gets rid of Stamkos. Yeah, Something or like Peak Lundqvist. If you want to go that, imagine, imagine if yeah. Joe in your Rangers fanhood about eight years ago, Lundqvist was the one that they kept dangling. Oh, so I, I don't, I don't understand how it's gotten so bad. The only, the only logical thing I could say is they made that run to get to the conference final. And, or last year, I should say, to get to the conference final. I, I think that was yeah. a, a blip in the radar. I don't think they were expected to be that good. And I think when you, I saw someone making this argument the other day, if you, a team like that creates unrealistic expectations. And I think they thought, okay, now our team really is great. It wasn't just an unbelievable postseason run by a couple of star players. I don't know. I, I just, if they're going to go full rebuild, he can't really be there. But then the question is, what could, what is a reasonable return for a guy that good, for one of the probably top five defensemen to ever play the game, I don't. I couldn't even tell you, but I, I don't understand why they want to. Why trade him away? Why bring in Matt Duchesne in the offseason? Why make the Gabrick trade and before the deadline? Why do those things if you know that you want to get rid of your? I just don't understand how I, you. I think they didn't know. I, I don't think they. I don't think they knew, or I thought they were lying to themselves. I think they made a lot of short-term moves to try to keep it, keep it afloat, but. That team went down really fast, and he's a player that you mentioned. He's a game changer. Think about every team we've mentioned in the Eastern Conference that's competing that's in that same realm. What if they had Carlson tomorrow? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, Toronto has yeah. Carlson, or, or oh, Columbus, or the Devils, or the Flyers. I mean, Jesus, like, game changed. Not changer, it's a game changed if he's on the team. Yeah, it does, and you put him on any team. You put him on Winnipeg. You put him on Ooh. Vegas, where he he could have went. 
put him on and any any team. He changes the whole game. But you got to think if you're if you're Matt Duchesne and you're 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 asking for a trade out of Colorado, you're being whatever, and you go to Ottawa because you think it's got a better you got a better shot, and you're over there and you're just like, are you kidding me? What's happening right now? And you look over at the Western Conference and the Abs are way better. With <laughs> yeah, Colorado is pushing for a playoff spot too. Uh, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. But couple more deals to talk about in the Money Mitch Effect with Joe Crisali, NHL trade deadline. It's not all about the big deals. Because I do think Columbus did a good job. The Blue Jackets adding some pieces. Joe getting Ian Cole, Thomas Vanek, with Testu's back. I think Tortorella put it best when he said, we don't want, you know, we want more guys that can contribute, not the guy. So I think those are some, some decent moves as well. Well, yeah, like you said, that's how Columbus plays. They play with depth. They don't have that one big superstar guy that they put out there. Everyone plays the same. And that's the way that they brand their hockey. That's the way they play. And they have good, young, talented players. Like you said, Warinsky, one of the best young defensemen in the league. And Bobrovsky has been one of the best goalies over the last five years. So, If Columbus is going to get the second wild card, which looking at the playoff picture, I, I'd still like the Devils and Blue Jackets in those spots. It's going to be tough to, to move up, but I think they hold off the rest. I'd love it if uh, – I'd just say I'd love it if the Flyers won the division. <laughs> Oh, I can't. I can't. But if I they, no, say I'm saying that as a Blue Jackets fan, if the if they're in that second wild card, and you could pick between them, Pittsburgh or Washington <laughs> to play, come on. <laughs> I mean, know, you know who you'd rather play. Yeah, looking at the standings, right? I mean, Washington has been playing really bad. Braden Holpe has been a shell of himself this year. Who knows what's going on there? Apparently, Washington was going after Carlson too. They were trying to trade. John Carlson away to open up cap space to get Eric Carlson, That's, but they yeah, didn't get it. They don't have the money. That's like what we were <laughs> what we were saying. They had less than a million on the books to clear for a six point five million dollar salary guaranteed for the next year. Yeah, I, too little time. I, they tried to strike late, but I didn't see it happening. The other trade though that that went down that we didn't really discuss was Evander Kane to the Sharks, which I think could be a big yeah. move for them in a in what is. A god awful division of hockey, the Pacific Division. <laughs> I think the Sharks could be just fine with Kane. Get that second seed home court, home ice in the first round. I like that deal. Yeah, like you said, it's one of those little deals where it's a big impact little deal. You know, their window is closing too. Their players are getting older, so getting a guy like Kane, who is a bruiser, absolutely destroys people. And Can you believe he's only twenty six? I couldn't believe it's crazy. that. Crazy. I feel like I've been talking about this guy. Forever, yeah. He played for the He's Atlanta Thrashers. <laughs> like, played games for the He's Atlanta Thrashers. He's been in the league for a hot second. He yeah. played with Kovalchuk. He did. Come on. He did. He knocked. He also knocked out Matt Cook. I know you've seen that fight. Uh, one of my favorite oh, fight yeah. moments. But, no, Kane is, uh, <laughs> yeah. Kane is a hothead. He, he says he's matured. We'll see if that's the case. But I, guys like him, players like him, who are bruisers, who have skill, need to be in the right scenario to thrive. I think San Jose might be it. I think he'll listen to Joe Thornton. I think he'd listen to some of the guys in that locker room that have had success, the Logan Couture's and, and some of the younger players there as well. I think this could be a good fit for him. Get anyone getting out of Buffalo, getting out of Buffalo for anybody is a good move. It is, because, man, they need, uh, they need some help as well. But any lasting thoughts, Joe, on this trade deadline? Things you were surprised to see? I guess a final thought on your Rangers? Uh, I'm just bummed, because... Now my uh, my team, my squad's going to be uh, slumming it for a while. Who's yeah? I you know what though? It's it's better this way. Believe me, I wouldn't say slumming it for a while. I'd say a year or two of not what you're used to. 
and maybe it can turn around because you could have just ridden it out, lost in the first round the next two years, and then it would have really been bad. Yeah, but I feel like the playoff heartbreak is, I don't know, I guess you're right. Thinking about rebuilding and all sorts of stuff like that, I guess I'm okay with it. I just, I'm not used to it because I'm used to this team being in the playoffs every single year, getting bounced in the first, second, and in the finals, and not winning ever, but that was tough, so that's tough. Yeah, I have to, I have to ask you this, though. Do we think Vizileski's a lock for the Vesna? I, I would think so. Oh, absolutely, which is insane because <laughs> he was not talked about at the beginning of the season as somebody that would be a dominant goalie. But yep. when you've got guys in front of you like Hedman and uh, – Strawman, who is a quiet, great defender. Here's the funniest thing. The funniest <laughs> thing is that McDonough played on the Rangers, and he was like, oh, finally, I don't have to deal with Girardi anymore. Now he's going to have to pair with him again. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's pretty comedy. I think the biggest thing for me is who are the three MVP finalists going to be? We only really know one, right? Like there's only one person that you know for sure. Kucherov will be a finalist. Oh, yeah. But the other two, I, I mean, mean, there's like eight guys you can name, and I could be like, yeah, I, I understand. This honestly has been like the wackiest year of of hockey because the shift in in teams and the shift in conferences and who's good and who's not good and who's changing teams and and who's trading away players and who's taking players, it's all out of whack. So, I mean, like you said, the importance of certain players to their teams makes them that way more valuable. Like we talked about Taylor Hall before. Earlier in the season, you could have made a case for Nathan McKinnon before he went down. The Avs were in the playoffs. How about Blake Wheeler? He was Blake Wheeler, <laughs> same thing. Like the, They're not supposed to be where they are, but they are where they are because of him. Like That guy's got 72 points right now. I would, you know? I would say from, Claude Giroux especially, what he's done for that team in Philly is, is MVP worthy. Yeah, and... The thing about it is, like, you can look at a team like Vegas, and their top point getter is Marchessault. He's got 61 points, and he's not talked about as being, you know, a guy who could win, but MVP. But you should really at least talk about him a little bit. He's yeah. having a great year. I mean, you can't really argue with Kucherov, though. No, 82 I, points. He's the guy. Best team, they're the best team in the league. I mean, Malkin, with what he's done second in scoring right now, uh, and I also would say, obviously, you always talk about Ovechkin, but Johnny Gaudreau in Calgary. I mean, we could literally go down the line and have 12 finalists, and it wouldn't. It's like the Oscars. We'll just keep adding people to the list. Why not? Keep adding them, and then, you know, say the wrong name at the end, but eventually it'll, it'll, we'll get yeah, it right. Yeah, we'll call Ovechkin up there and tell him he didn't win the MVP when he's about 10 or 12 drinks deep and see what happens. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, last, before I let you go, Jokersali, Money Mitch Effect, I got to get your recap, your quick recap of Olympic hockey, men's and women's, because we had some barn burners this year in the gold medal games, both in OT. Yeah, I mean, it was funny that the Olympic athletes from Russia took the gold, but when they got that talent that they had yeah, in that no, team, I mean, it really I, wasn't. Come on. Like, they had to be the There favorites. wasn't anyone that was going to compete <laughs> with them, you know? Because those guys are not playing in the NHL, which means that they're allowed to play, unlike everyone else. So it's like a bunch of junior teams against men. I'm excited to see Kaprasov in the NHL, though, after not just the game-winning goal, but his performance. Yeah, him too. But watching uh, USA, Donato, Bruins fans got to be excited looking at that guy. He was like the, the best player on the ice for USA. And Troy Terry, phenomenal job as well. I wish the Americans yeah, would have taken great. more young guys. 
Uh, they lose the Czech Republic in the quarterfinals, the men's game. It was a great story by Germany, you know, to get to the final, to get, you know, be, being on the doorstep, winning by goal with a minute left, couldn't hold the lead. But, you know, first time they ever beat Canada in the Olympics, like 0-15, or I think it might have been internationally. But, you know, good to see them, you know, after not winning any game, not qualifying for the Olympics in 2014, not winning any games in 2006 and 2010. And it was also cool to see South Korea there score their first goal they lost every game but to see the emotion and them carrying the flag after was kind of cool but the big moment of the olympics was the u.s women's team right yeah that goal at the end there was filthy oh, she yeah. got it with a little head fake and then she boom swagged that, that right over there <laughs> both lamaroos <laughs> so good both lamaroos yeah. playing uh coming down from north dakota area and basically taking over taking down the canadian dynasty one scores in, in the third to tie. One has a shootout winner. That was just a great game. Like, that was a great, great game on an international level, regardless of gender. It was just a phenomenal game, a great rivalry. You could tell those two teams hated each other. A lot of legends being born in that game. Not just the, you know, not just the, the playmakers. Uh, Rooney, the goalie at 20 years old, phenomenal. Hillary Knight had another good game. Amanda Kessel with the underrated shootout goal coming down and sniping just like her brother. It was good. It, I think it was great to see that at that level, the intensity was as on the same level as any men's game. Yeah, no, I totally agree there. It was definitely fun to watch, and uh, the fact that the USA was able to pull it out was that the first time that Canada has lost in like eight years or so in 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 hockey. The so, women's there was some crazy yeah, the women's Olympic team. So they've only had women's Olympic hockey in the Olympics since '98. US won in '98. Canada's won ever since until this Olympics. And it, it's so yeah, crazy so. how they dominate the game because the, in the world championships, it's 10-8, USA-Canada. Nobody else has won any other championship. It's crazy. I mean, I guess the U.S. is due, right? And Canada was due for that L. They were. And I, I said it on Twitter. I fully think that I enjoyed watching them get the silver medals more than the actual game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always fun and to see that. And it was the, the same day as the Miracle on Ice, right? I think it ended like that next morning, but yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, I mean, that is, yeah, that's, we're, we're bringing up the, the greatest memory in American sports history is what we're doing. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just no. saying it just so happened to happen in the same day. It did. It did. And I was happy. It was good to see. Hopefully that gets more, uh, young American girls playing hockey, but anytime USA hockey can win and anytime our anthem is played last, that's the. That's got to be the worst part for Canada, right? Like, you lose that game, you get your silver medal, and then you have to stand there and hear the anthem. Yeah, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate screw you, we beat you. Only thing I would change is I would make the the medal, you would face the other team when you get your medals, and maybe the U.S. puts the Canadian medals on them, too. <laughs> <laughs> you have... Yeah, the first place team puts the medals on the second and third place says team, good or job it goes down the line. Yeah, says good job a lot, yeah. you know, something like that. But yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Glad to always see Olympic hockey. Joe Cristali, this was fun. How's how are things going in Seattle? You know, you're a new resident of the uh, Pacific Northwest. How's everything? Pretty awesome. Uh, they said it doesn't snow up here, and it snowed three times. <laughs> um, they say it's cloudy. It's been constant sunshine. Oh. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome, man. It's a lot of lies up there. That's what I'm gathering. A lot of just a lot of phony weather reports. I mean, maybe maybe with the weather, but the food here is incredible. 
it's so easy to navigate and get around everywhere. Um, downtown Seattle is amazing. Everything is just beautiful. You got the mountains in the back and, uh, no complaints really. I mean, got a fireplace, pets are all hooked up. Yeah. We're slowly settling in. All right. Well, don't you turn into a vegetarian with all that fish up there. Oh, I'm good. There's still some good meat spots. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Nice to hear. Well, Joe Crisali, thanks again. We'll definitely be in touch. And we'll see uh, where this NHL season leads us after this wild and wacky trade deadline. Joker Sally on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again. Yeah, it's been fun. That's it for today's show. Big thanks again to Joker Sally for coming on as a guest. Thanks to Brian Nelson for supplying the logo, Tim Adams for supplying the beats. There's a lot of fun hockey stuff to bring to you in the next couple of months before the playoffs start, which will be phenomenal. The Kings-Knights game last night, if you didn't see it, was amazing. Flyers are now in first place. Bergeron out in Boston is hurt for a few weeks with a broken foot. We're actually going to be evaluated in a few weeks, so that's a pretty serious injury there. But lots of news and notes to discuss. Next week, we'll be back again with some hoop talk, maybe some interview guests as well. And we got to get ready for March Madness. So you know that's going to be a part of the show as well. For everybody that was a part of this show, I am Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and you can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying, keep watching, keep loving sports. <laughs>